Liberty Solutions here. We are a no whining allowed show on what the people can actually do about today's problems. Who decides, you or a DC career politician surrounded by marble and money? We like facts, so caution out to prisoners of their own drama. There's logic here. As Mark Twain said, politicians in diapers need to be changed often and for the same reason. Keith here. We have a special edition of Liberty Solutions. We are at the Turning Point USA Student Action Summit in Florida at the Palm Beach County Convention Center. There are about 5,000 invitees. Turning Point's mission is to educate students about the importance of fiscal responsibility, free markets, and limited government. Through nine-partisan debate, dialogue, and discussion, they believe every young person can be enlightened to a true free market values. Attending the conference was myself, Keith Bissett, Nancy Suits, who's the Florida State Communications Director, Ed Vidal, we'll call him a Convention of State supporter at large, Tom Miller, District Captain, and Will Miller, a student. I'm here with Will Miller at the SAS event. Uh, Will, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you found out about Convention of States and I uh, understand you're in college and, uh, yeah, tell us about it. Yeah, so um, actually, yeah, I uh, found out about Convention of States through my dad, actually, because he's the senior, I'm, not, I'm actually not sure what, what he, he's the, he's a district, district captain, so he's, uh, but um, originally I started getting into politics through um, companies like Americans for Prosperity. I've worked with the Libra Initiative. I've worked with a bunch of local campaigns, college Republicans, stuff like that. And then from there, I just really got into it, and and I guess we're here from there. So uh, you're in school now, I understand? Uh, I go to school, actually. Um, I go to school at Seminole State College. It's in Sanford, Florida. Um, I used, I'm a, my major is business information management. I want to get into logistics. And um, I'm a senior, and this is my last semester, so that's really good. So in your experience uh, talking to other students, uh, what, do, what do you think they think about the Constitution? You know what? I, I don't know. I mean, like, for me personally, I had to convert. I, I, had, I came from a very liberal, like, I mean, my family was very liberal, so it was, we converted and whatnot. When growing up, and um, my roommates actually, uh, I got them into, I converted them to um, conservatism from, um, from a... They, they were pretty liberal or pretty, yeah. what, what do you call them, like, like leftists? They were very left. They were very misinformed because of all the propaganda we have in like, because I used to go to UCF and it was very liberal, that school. And one of the reasons I actually transferred, besides the cost, was because I couldn't deal with like everything there, and it, it was just, it was just not good. Yeah, I've heard uh, a couple people from uh, UCF come back and start uh, telling about how leftist the school is in general. Yeah, it, it pretty is. But um, I'm really happy that I got involved with the college Republicans, and from there, I, I didn't, I did some like um, events through them. I recruited for Americans for Prosperity as well. I recruited volunteers through there. I held leadership academies, and um, I've worked for American Prosperity for, I've had, I probably, I don't know if I should talk about that, but I've worked them for them like three years, so 
and uh, they're a great company. Uh, I like, um, I'm not very too familiar with Turning Point, but it's, um, it's very similar, like their summits as well. Yeah, I've been following their Facebook page for a while. It seems like uh, they're now the um, uh, Turning Point, yeah, for about, since, for about six months, I just found out about them. So the, the question, I think, like how do you get more conservative, more libertarian values known by uh, students? Not to, not to force them to change, but just to get them to understand. Like what method do you think we should use? I mean, uh, definitely social media is like definitely because millennials, that's all they care about are phones nowadays. So definitely target them through social media, get them like what I would do. Actually, another good point, um, how I got volunteers, I would go to high schools and um, I would get them because uh, I could sign hours. So I would get them to involve like that and then I would get them to stay after they would get their hours. And it, it was it was really good because you're making connections and it's it's good because they really because especially here with I see 15 year olds when I was a kid no one under 18 really cared about politics so it's really nice to see that there's really a lot of young people here I tried to I asked about uh, four millennials before I came to here and all of them basically don't care I mean I couldn't I, I didn't do a big survey I don't have any statistics but what do you think the if you have any idea in your in your experience, how many people really care about how DCs run? No one. No one really cares. Most people that I talk to, the ones who I haven't really, who really don't care. I think the reason behind it is, oh, my vote doesn't matter. What is one one person going to change the world? That they really don't realize that a lot of people are saying that kind of stuff. So, and a lot of people say that, and it, they all come together, then it won't matter. But when you connect one person. It could start a trend. So like you were talking about the couple people that you knew, and you talked to them, and that, that works. Yeah I, yeah, I got them to volunteer. I got them involved with the party. Yeah, and um, they're not as obviously uh, politically informed as I am now, but um, it just, they were complete leftists. They were completely swarmed by the propaganda of, like, whatever, their parents, the schools fake news, all that kind of stuff. And um, I guess, like, I just told them about, like, the, what we do, and I got them in, so. That's great, yeah, that's the way I think I can do it. Okay. All right, that was uh, Will Miller. Jessica Josephchuk. Um, I am a student programs manager at the Atlas Society. Basically, my focus right now is to bring objectivism on campuses as an alternative to Marxism, Leninism, and Nazism, which is being taught in classrooms. Um, my main focus is capitalism and individualism. I teach students that the very, the most important thing to focus on is themselves and their own success, and they should not count on the government to give them that. I had several quite interesting talks with Jessica over the two days I attended the event about Ayn Rand's philosophy and her books and how to get that into colleges. In a typical quite leftist college today, that's that's quite a task she has in front of her. I got a bunch of stickers and some temporary A is A tattoos and a Who is John Galt. And they also tried to give me a capitalism hat, but I insisted on giving her $5 for it in the spirit of Ayn Rand. They weren't soliciting donations, but I refused to take the hat without contributing. I was glad to see the Atlas Society had a table at the event. 
This is Ed Vidal with the Convention of States Project at the Turning Point USA Conference in Palm Beach, December 2018. And here we have Eddie Norette, who has called to the Concrete Conservatives, WSQF 94.5 FM in Key Biscayne. And Eddie, what can you tell us about Convention of State? Well, the Convention of States Project, from my knowledge, is an organization that's trying to get uh, the signatories, the signatures, if you will, to launch a convention of states so that we can really change the country um, and get together through the states as opposed to uh, Congress when we don't find Congress to be effective or the presidency when we don't find the presidency to be, to be effective. This was something the founders put in the Constitution to give the states to power the power to meet amongst themselves and to enact the change they want to see for the country. But aren't you concerned that there could be a runaway convention? Uh, what do you mean? Well, it could turn into something else. It could uh, repeal the Second Amendment or the First well, we, we'll only know if we uh, if there's actually a convention of states. So we'll, we'll figure it out when we get there. And, and I know that sounds risky. That could sound risky to some people. But, I mean, I'd like to see a convention of states. And, and that's how you can convince even people who may not disagree with us to sign up. You know, this is an opportunity for Americans of all stripes, political stripes, to discuss the issues, to put forth the issues that they think the states should take forward in a convention of states. And once the convention is actually occurring, that's where the debates can, can happen and unfold as to which direction we should move in. So you'd like to see an open-ended convention? Um, if there's a, an open-ended, meaning giving all people the opportunity to, to share their ideas and, and how they believe the convention should move forward, if that's open-ended, that's my idea of open-ended. Um, well, Convention States is proposing three basic uh, amendments. One is fiscal responsibility, two is limiting federal jurisdiction, and three is term limits. What would you feel about those? Uh, they all sound great to me. The one that speaks most to me is probably term limits. Okay. It's something that you're never going to get Congress to sign away uh, their own political careers by enacting term limits upon themselves. And this is something that you mentioned, as well as really the fiscal responsibility one as well, that I think people on both sides of the political aisle could agree upon. I mean, it's not really a right-left issue. It's an American thing. I, I don't see why term limits or fiscal responsibility has to be an issue of the right or the left. It could be something that both agree on. Great. Well, so we're going to count on you to, uh, I guess you've already signed the petition? I, I have, and you can count on me to continue asking my friends and, and people I know to sign the petition. Thank you very much. Great, thank you. Just uh, one other thing I want to ask you. Tell us a little bit about the organization you're representing here. Um, so I'm here as a student journalist with Red Alert Politics, a subsidiary of the Washington Examiner. Basically, Red Alert is a portion of the Washington Examiner that allows students to contribute, write, and opine on issues going on around the country that specifically affect us as millennials, as conservative millennials. So I'm here. Uh, we're speaking to students. We're trying to interview some of the conference speakers. Uh, and, and we hope people will check out Red Alert Politics to see some of the interviews we've done today. We spoke to Candace Owens, Nigel Farage. Um, we're hoping maybe to get Donald Trump Jr. later and Sebastian Gorka. So we're here interviewing speakers, trying to highlight some of these millennial conservative issues. That's great. Can we drop your name so we can get to talk to him too? Uh, you can try. Uh, it's, it's difficult for me sometimes, too. We, we have to say, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing to get these interviews, but we're here. We say we're with Red Alert. We kind of, you got to be a little pushy sometimes to get these interviews. Um, but, yeah, so we're, fingers crossed. Sometimes it happens even at the last second. So, Nigel, we were lucky to, to bump into him walking by. We asked him if he could do an interview. He said, give me five minutes. And he was nice enough. He came back and he found us. So it's really a bit of luck and, and being at the right place at the right time. Great. All right, thanks. My name is Will. I'm from Pennsylvania, Penn State Barron, up in Erie, Pennsylvania, of all places. Uh, I drove 17 and a half hours to get down here to SAS. One, one, uh, one day was a very long drive. 
came down here to learn more about conservative values and interact and network with other conservatives, learn how we can grow our club. I'm actually the secretary for the Penn State Baron College Republicans. Uh, you, know, which, you know, one of the things we struggle with is, you know, growing our club. We have a lot of very, we find that most of the campus is conservative. It's just people are scared because of the stigmatization that goes with being conservative and talking about it. We've had professors approach us and tell us they're scared to come out and say they're conservative, even in the school of business, due to fear of repercussions from their from colleagues. People get attacked. Yeah, people just kind of getting attacked and people getting upset. Uh, you know, in my opinion, a convention of states would be great. I honestly think it should happen. There's a lot of there's a couple of things, in my opinion, that should be uh, put into the Constitution that should be changed. Uh, one of the things that I personally think would be uh, one way to overturn Roe v. Wade would be a constitutional amendment in the United States Constitution. Uh, suddenly it's constitutional because it says it in the Constitution that Roe v. You know, abor abortion is wrong. Uh, you know, and, and the fear, in my opinion, that it would be a runaway, that, you know, well, you know, they would repeal the Second Amendment. Problem with that is even if, even if the convention, let's say worst case scenario, the convention did that, well, you still got to get two-thirds of the states to ratify, and good luck with that because most of the country's rural. We're not, you know, we have big cities in every state, but each, most of the houses are controlled by Republicans in the, in the states, even if the governors are liberal. And so because it's going to take two, it's going to take majority in each house and Senate, you're not going to see something like the Second Amendment or the Bill of Rights go away. I, it, it, I don't think it could happen, not in the next thousand years. Uh, yeah, I'm Keith here with Marshall Hoffman from... Uh, from Cornell University, yeah. So, uh, yeah, tell us why you're here at SAS. I'm here uh, mostly to hear the speakers. I've listened to them online for years and years, and it's uh, just been in, um, me trying to see them in person for the first time, ask them questions, as I did yesterday, uh, and see their thoughts on issues that are more today and rather than um, what are what kind of beat down uh, over and over and over on their online podcasts, and they talk about the, kind of the same regime. So um, I, I like to hear the perspectives on the nuanced uh, issues at hand uh, that aren't normally talked about or nor not, not normally as sexy in terms of a um, political landscape. What of the uh, speakers have been on so far? What's a uh, example point that you really liked? Um, I really enjoyed, um, I'd have to say, Candace Owens was interesting, but uh, Dennis Prager definitely, uh, definitely blew me away. Uh, he was absolutely right in his examples of what the left has, uh, and by the left I mean uh, leftists, not classically liberal or not neoliberals, of uh, what leftists have been doing to the country, what they do in terms of any uh, policy that they generate and uh, what they tear down and refuse to replace or don't know how to replace with anything that is nearly as productive in any significant way. I just watched a couple days ago his uh, gender marathon Prager U video. It was great. Did you see that one? Yeah, it's it's a the the gender issue is definitely one that I think is going to swing in Republicans' favor. I think enough of America is privy to the knowledge that there. Are are male and females, and yes, while there are intersex people, they make up 1.6% of global population, even less of that in Western society, and even uh, the vast minority of those are actually intersex, where you cannot tell what gender they are. Most of intersex, you can tell that they lean distinctively towards either male or female, and so they can fall in line there. But this idea that um, all of a sudden, if you're a feminine male, you have to be 
not a male. You can't. You have to be something else. You can, you can be whatever you want in that category, but it doesn't have to mean that you're a whole new category. And so the, I think the argument is definitely going to rely on science, where Republicans in this case have the backbone to uh, remain consistent and uh, get that social change to stay uh, as it is um, without any detrimental effects to the trans population in terms of suicide rates as the left doesn't care about or refuses to mention and uh, those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah enjoy the, uh, the facts, like 20 minutes straight of facts about gender. A friend of mine calls it hate facts. Have you ever heard that term? Uh, facts cannot be hateful. Um, you can have opinions that are hateful, uh, but uh, facts are not hateful. If, they, if you interpret them as hate, you just don't know enough about the, about the policy. Um, it's, a, it's a matter of, in terms of the gender issue, it's a matter of trans people have a suicide, rate ten time, suicide attempt rate 10 times as much as any um, average American citizen, and the left refuses to correct the situation with any kind of policy. And the, the reason is, is because as of 10 years ago, it was a mental disorder and they got help and treatment because of that and now the left is removing that help and treatment while they still claim to be the side of feeling the side of compassion and it isn't consistent it's not consistent and they refuse to even acknowledge that there is a problem and it's it's a real plague on um on that community all right switching subjects here are you familiar with the convention of states project uh briefly i was just introduced to it yes <laughs> well uh what did you hear and what do you think um, I, I heard a lot of discussion that I was most interested in about uh, term limits, and a common Republican position is that term limits should be enforced with any legislative branch um, member, whether it be congressman, whether it be senator, uh, president, obviously, um, or judges in the judicial branch as well. And I actually tend to disagree with that uh, on the basis that you should be able to vote for anyone that you think should be able to fill the position competently. And if someone is ineligible because of a term limit, I don't think that's quite fair. I think that there is a major problem in terms of who makes up our Congress, who makes up the Senate, who makes up the House. But that's not going to be fixed by just rotating the door. We have plenty of incompetent, selfish people that can fill that House and fill that Senate continuously. And I don't think it's going to be solved with term limits. I think it's going to be solved with a referendum on what our Congress actually does, of making it actually effective in the right ways. An effective Congress is a Republican's worst nightmare, but it has to somehow come to terms with the fact that it needs to limit its own power and gain power in other areas. The Supreme Court should not be able to make policy that the legislative branch is uh, responsible for, so they should gain power in those areas. But at the same time, a, the less effective the Congress, the better our economy does, because there's more stability, there's more assurance that uh, tax hikes aren't going to occur anytime soon and, um, and things like that. And so I think it's a, it's a matter of trying to just absolutely revolutionize the way our Congress works. And it's no easy task, but I don't think term limits are the solution in any shape or form. Yeah, I think that's a valid argument. I mean, there's a debate going on. The, the term limits, as far as Convention of States goes, is just to put term limits on some offices. Uh, the one that I am most interested in is term limits for Supreme Court justices, with uh, Ruthie Bader Ginsburg as a prime example of why that might be a good idea. Um, what do you think about uh, Supreme Court term limits? I'm absolutely in favor of that in that case, but that is a matter of 
we should not be waiting or cheering for people to die. Um, we should not, the left should not cheer if Kavanaugh dropped dead tomorrow. The right should not cheer if um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg dropped dead tomorrow. It's really morbid that we have that system with the implication that people cheer for death. And that is seriously toxic. And I think term limits could help solve that in that case. Um, obviously, you would have the same effect of a position has to be filled if someone dies, but it's a lot easier to wait for the end of 10 years, let's say, or 20 years, whatever the term is, uh, rather than just the only option being the hard stops. And in uh, in Supreme Court case, I'd be I'd agree with you. I'd say term limits need to happen just for morality's sake. Yeah, I see. At some point, and and I don't want Ruth Bader Ginsburg to die. That's not a wish for. But I it, think it's okay if I wish for. She should be sitting on her rocking chair on her porch with the cat knitting, maybe uh, worrying about the snow removal in her town. Sure, sure. And maybe I'd be in favor of. Um, you know, maybe 20-year uh, term limit, 40-year term limit. Uh, I think the long-term limit was instituted for a reason, and we shouldn't completely change the Constitution uh, arbitrarily. We should have a reason to do so. And so if our reason is that we're not advocating for people to die as the only result of them leaving office, then the term limit should really only be shortened minimally, and there's no reason I can see to make it four years or eight years or something like that. Justices are allowed to retire. Uh, they can decide to retire on their own. Uh, they, they can retire, but unless we start getting into the mob politics of the left of um, uh, ambushing people, advocating for them to retire, again, that's a, it's a pretty dangerous slope. And so I'd, I'd much prefer, I mean, like the Pope can retire, right? We saw that. But does it happen that often? No. And especially with how divisive our politics are today, Justices are so cemented in place that they, uh, that they are determined that the only way out is if they cannot serve, if they are incapacitated. Otherwise, they want to make sure that the sitting president, like Donald Trump, who the left hates, you can be rest assured no uh, sitting Democratic justice is going to be able to retire without any kind of blowback, as we saw. We saw a justice retire, and there was riots calling for his head it's uh it's disgusting and so i think if you had a again a 20 or 40 uh 40 year term limit you would have a lot better of a chance of people being cordial about the position rather than out for blood great okay well i hope you managed to spread the word on this what's your major by the way i'm in civil engineering so uh most of this is just um you know, getting involved in politics as much as I can outside of the classroom. And as far as I'm concerned, going to a brainwashed university for a political degree isn't worth a whole hell of a lot compared to reading, writing, listening uh, as much as you can to anyone you can, even on the left, um, who is intellectually consistent enough um, and trying to form your own opinions, trying to maintain your own intellectual consistency rather than regurgitating whatever your professor told you in class. Yeah, that's good. Okay, all right, nice to meet you, Marshall. Hi, this is Ed Vidal, and we're here at the Turning Point USA Conference in Palm Beach, Florida, December 2018. And with me is Tom Miller, a district captain for Convention of States down here in Palm Beach County. As a matter of fact, I am a district captain for this very district, oh. District 89. I was recruited by Ed Bender, last year and uh, 
The real reason I'm doing this, as uh, President Reagan said, this is not passed along in the DNA, our liberty. Every generation has to defend it, and I believe now more so than ever. This is, uh, you know, if not now when, if not me, who? That's <laughs> basically it. I mean, we've, we've got to step up to the plate at this point. Well, you know, people say that there will be a runaway convention. They're afraid of that. But I say that right now we have three or four runaway conventions in session. Congress, the President, the uh, Supreme Court, and, of course, the administrative state. What do you say to that? Well, Ed, we are both, uh, well, I'm a retired attorney. You told me you're not, but, or semi-retired, let's say. Uh, yes, we have constitu constitutional conventions every day, and they're not, uh, they're modifying and ignoring the Constitution every day. In, in the legislature, in the judiciary. All right, we're talking to John Paul. His organization is called Grand Opportunity USA. So, John, tell us a little bit about your organization. Well, Keith, thanks uh, for having me. And uh, we're Grand Opportunity USA, or Go USA. And in brief, our mission is to do a much better job reaching out to a, a wider, more diverse base of, of voters. Millennials, uh, minor religious minorities, ethnic minorities, racial minorities and, and gay people, and people that really are, would typically be considered owned by the left. And uh, we're also looking to and it, also uh, you know, unite the conservative message, unite the conservative movement more effectively to win more elections. That's great. That's a group that can be hard to reach. Well, they're, they're hard to reach because effectively, you know, if you look at the polling data where people, how people vote, all those groups I mentioned vote anywhere from two to one uh, for Democrats versus Republicans up to nine to one or ten to one. So we do have a lot of work on our hands. But we've been effective at GoUSA reaching these people with our message of opportunity. It's kind of a we have a new, unique way of approaching politics, and we think it's effective. So that's what we're we're here to do. What's your secret, or is that a secret you can't share? Well, part of it of a marketing background, and we have lots of great people on the team that have you know very uh, dynamic personalities. And uh, I'd say there's a couple things that were a few things that we do. One is we're kind of provocateurs. So the name of the tours, I, the talks I give are uh, break out of the conservative closet is and unconventional conservatives. We, we, we kind of have a, a way of presenting that's that's unique and creative. And we talk about opportunity as well and how effectively conservatism delivers opportunity. But progressivism removes opportunity and people are, are open to that it's a, a unique way to describe and talk about conservatism so. that's great so how long has the organization been going for just about a year um i wrote a book in 2016 called cues for conservatives cues for conservatives? cues cues okay. for conservatives and uh, i wrote that it's a it's a play on words for to battle the awful terrible Saul Alinsky rules for radicals. Oh, we yeah. thought we needed a much more, a more a stronger, you know, much stronger and more direct and more effective answer to that to, for, to guide conservatives and how we should more effectively promote conservatism and, and, and beat the left at their own game. So, and also, to in that book, I wrote about how to attract millennials and unite the movement. And, uh, and I, we also even rebranded the party. We suggest rebranding the party from the Grand Old Party to the Grand Opportunity Party. So take out the word old... Yes, I mean, who wants? We already have a reputation problem in the, in the Republican Party. We're considered, the left would call us old white people, right? That's what they, they're, they're uh, the standard the negative, standard negative uh, stereotype, and we have to smash that narrow that that stereotype. So, 
we, we get a lot of support. Everybody we meet, everybody, every, it really hasn't been one person I've met that didn't support that idea. So we wanted to get it. I'm part, I work with the RNC and their youth coalition uh, organization, their, their council, and, uh, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm trying to convince the RNC to cons- consider this, this name change or at least this, this promotional, use it promotionally. So. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And and I think, you know, what you're trying to do to reach a group that, you know, traditionally or a lot of mainstream, you know, uh, conservative and libertarian groups don't really reach that that audience. No, they do. We're doing a terrible job, atrociously just terrible. If you, and I mentioned the polling data earlier. It's it, We're doing a terrible job reaching these, these groups of people. Uh, even Jewish Americans voted in the last election. I, I believe it was something like 85%. Or over 80 percent for Democrats in the midterms, so all kinds of groups that are, every one of these groups would do much, much, much better off again economically, personally, with uh, with conservative policies and principles, conservative government. Yet they vote for the left that just takes away their opportunity. It makes no sense. So we just we, we have some work on our hands, but these groups all want opportunity. It's one thing that people come to America for. You know, people coming to trying to come here illegally. What are they coming for? They want opportunity, right? So it's not that hard to sell opportunity. So, yeah, that's great to hear. And uh, so you mentioned earlier you were, you're familiar with the convention of states. So do you just uh, give me a minute or two on how you view it? Well, I um, I'm a big fan of what what uh, convention of states do, does. I wasn't very familiar with it until maybe um, six months ago when I when I ran into some people from your organization, and I believe that I we're, I'm not sure it was convention of states at CPAC. I can't remember. Um, well, there's one group called Convention of States Action. Yes. But there's several groups that are calling for an Article 5 convention to propose amendments. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a big fan. I've always been a fan of what, of, of, the, of the principles of your organization. I learn more about it, and I'm just, you know, the more I learn, the more I'm a, a fan. Yeah. There are some groups like the John Birch Society that are trying to say it's dangerous, and I've, it's not. I've, I've, I've read enough about it, and I learned that what, what, you know, what, what your mission is. I'd love to hear from you what, you, what the mission is, but I'm, I'm a fan of yeah, Under, so, the Article so, Five. Yeah, the John Birch Society. They uh, most of their arguments are not valid. You know, they talk about the runaway convention standard yes, argument, which right. is. I mean, we're working on the the Florida uh, legislation right now for um, for convention and how commissioners are picked. And uh, if they pick a topic, if they start discussing a topic and uh, want to propose an amendment on a topic that's not in what Florida State called for. That's a felony. That's punishable as a felony. The commissioner is removed from the convention, and they're subject to jail. Wow. So no, they're, they're, they're doing their best to discourage them. You get a bunch of politicians in a room, they're probably going to talk about all kinds of stuff. Yes. But if they propose an amendment to, you know, like one of the fear things is they're going to take away the Second Amendment. You know? uh, no, certainly with Florida, that's not going to happen, and most yes. of the other states are the same. And, and the idea that something like that could get ratified by three-quarters of states is ludicrous. Yes, I agree. Yes, yeah, so it's uh, it's we have to rein in the federal government, and they're not going to do it to themselves. So it's Con- pre- Congress is unlikely to limit their own power. Yes, and even a, and I mean a true conservative, true conser- a true conservative would agree to limit their own power. That's the one of the philosophies of conservative liberal government. But even still, Congress is not going to. They, they wouldn't. They wouldn't sign up for their own their own health, the, 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 the Obamacare that they're trying to shove everyone's th- you know, down their thro- down our throats, right? It's, it's so there's many instances where 
Yeah, they're not going to do it to themselves. So that's why we have to do it this way. I agree. So, so the three amendments, the Convention of States action that, that I'm doing the podcast for, uh, one is to limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government back to what the Constitution says. Uh, the other one is just basic fiscal responsibility. You know, don't borrow a trillion dollars from our children yes. every year. And the third one is term limits, like, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's the poster child for that one. Yes. Yeah, so that's... Any, any, th- any of those three sound like it would help what you're trying to, trying to do? Yes, I think all three, you know, because it's we won't have, I mean, I've done, I've seen doomsday scenario reports about what, what's happening with our, our deficit and uh, the fact that there's there's going to be less, the, the it, it, it looks like the numbers are not going to support, these, the, the population numbers aren't going to support these, these debts in the future, so we're going to have a big mess in our hands and we're, our children are going to inherit a disaster. Um, so... There's of course 21 trillion now. Yeah, right? and, it, and it's even as much as I love President Trump. I mean, what the heck is up with that? It's it's just growing and mushrooming out of control. He signed a four trillion dollar budget. Yes, but he did say he wants to pull out of Syria. Hopefully, save a couple dollars on that one. Yes, yeah, he's doing some things right. I mean, when it comes to the the debt, but yeah, we we, we have to lower that debt. Um, we have to have term limits because you have. You know, Nan- people like Nancy Pelosi, I, I even can't even say the word. I don't have to even <laughs> utter the word, Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, you're and, triggering me, man. Yeah, you're I'm, triggering me. Yeah, that's, that's, I won't get triggered very often, but I might get triggered just when I say yeah, Nancy, Nancy Pelosi. i got to get a little twitch when I say that. Yeah, don't bring that up again on my podcast. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just vomited all of your podcast. Sorry about that. And, uh, yeah, so I think I, you know, I, I agree with all, all, all the things that you're doing. All and, right. Um, All right. Thanks. So, okay. uh, where's a good? Do uh, you have a website that uh, people can look at? Or yes, we're we... grandopportunityusa.org, and you can learn more about, more about us there. We are we are going out and we're planning a, a tour, a uh, break out of the conservative closet tour, and uh, and also a you know another title that we'll be using is is uh, the unconventional conservative. And we're doing a, a lookbook, a, a coffee table book uh, featuring unconventional conservatives around the country. And uh, we need people's support to do all of this. So um, we have to take donations from people that want to support us. Okay, that's great. So grandopportunity.org. Grandopportunityusa.org. USA.org. All right. Thanks, John Paul. All right. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Keith. So the obvious question is, why aren't they turning yeah, it down? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, there's that wrinkle, right? Um, this, the wave elections was in 1990, 1992, and 1994. The Supreme Court in 1995, in the case U.S. term limits versus Thornton, uh, threw out all those successful initiatives. And so the, um, the, and voided all those term limits. And what the Supreme Court said was that the, it cannot be done by individual states that it would, can only be done by a constitutional amendment under Article 5. They're saying that the states cannot decide how they pick their own congressmen? That is correct. We argued, uh, we had two main arguments. Uh, one of them was the one you just sort of alluded to or applied, that states do have that right under Article, uh, under um, the Tenth Amendment to, in the, to the Constitution. And... Um, that was the argument that Clarence Thomas made in favor of the term limits elections. Um, it was a 5-4 decision, and the minority thought that, that indeed, it was a Tenth Amendment um, right of states, whereas the uh, majority did not. I can't think of anything in the Constitution that says that states can't do that. No. The majority argued that this was term limits are, in effect, a 
qualification and that the qualifications listed for congressmen in the Constitution was an exclusive, was a complete list, which doesn't say that quite right. Um, but we also argue that that's not, we didn't even see it as a qualification. We saw it as a ballot access restriction, much like you have to collect signatures if you're a minority party to get on the ballot or uh, that elections are held on Tuesday only until 7 p.m. or things like that, things of that nature. We looked at it as a, as a time, place, and manner restriction, which is clearly and explicitly um, in the power of states. So uh, we felt that it was wrongly decided, and it was a 5-4 decision, so it's not um, set in stone, and it may be revisited in the future. The Supreme Court has been changing. It seems to me that the Tenth Amendment, uh, I'm, I'm pondering this off the top of my head here, but right. the Tenth Amendment does let the states put term limits on. I, right. I, we lost, and so we had to We move on. Um, like I said, there's been changes to the court, and we're always looking for a new case. And by the way, Supreme Court uh, Justice Gorsuch um, is, was a, back in the 90s was an explicit supporter of term limits who actually wrote about the legality of them, which he felt they were. So he would have voted with us back then if he was on this case. Which so if it is comes up again, then right. there's a good we'll chance. Kavanaugh, we're not sure. Yeah. But um, so we had to switch. What, we had to switch gears. Find you, another strategy. Do you? Uh, what, what was the dissenting opinion from the court uh, against the five-four decision? It was the, the um, it was written by Clarence Thomas, and it was essentially that it that under the Tenth Amendment we do have that right, and that that tournaments are not qualifications. That was the decision. In, in other words, like based on the Constitution, that's the wrong decision. Yes, that's, that's what he said? I've, <laughs> I've, I've read other Clarence Thomas decisions that said that. Like, yeah. no, the majority is wrong because the Constitution says they're wrong. That's basically what he argued, right? Yeah. So the point is that we can, uh, you know, we can grouse over our loss or we can, you know, lick our wounds and, and get back into the fight with a new idea. And that's what we've done, and that's what we're doing with the idea of a, uh, a term limits convention under Article 5. The court said we have to do an amendment. It's very unlikely that Congress is going to pass a term limits amendment on themselves. So we're looking at the convention route under Article 5. Well, thanks, Philip, and I'm looking forward to doing a uh, full episode with you on term limits. All right. Well, my name is Dexter Taylor, and I am the Urban Engagement Representative with Turning Point and the Field Director. Before working with Turning Point, I actually interned in the fall of 2017 at the White House. So I was in the Office of Public Liaison with Omarosa at the time, former director Omarosa. So being there and being around these groups of uh, influential, very powerful groups of people, I noticed that there was a real change that needed to happen from the ground up. We needed to get more voices, more people that actually want to see the change that we want. We want limited government. We want to be able to build our businesses and strive in them, especially in the black community. Too many times we have the government rain down on us with all these types of regulations, all these you know, restrictions that we have, and it, it, it disembowels the groups of people. We need the government to... You know, let the people take care of it for once. Let us learn from our mistakes. Let us build from our mistakes. It's up to the people if we want to be able to fix America because America was built for us. It was built for the people. It wasn't built for government to take over. This is not some type. This is a democracy. We love our country. This is is the people's country. You know, it says we the people, not we the government. So it's really important for people to remember that. 
And the great thing about SAS, uh, the Student Action Summit that we're having, is we're having all groups of people come from young, from high schoolers, all the way up to senior citizens. Everyone coming down here, gathering around, being with groups of people that we feel unity with, that we feel power with. And it's the people, once again, that bring that type of position and that type of influence. So what we want to show the government, what we want to show the outside world, is that people can and people will strive by ourselves. We, yes, we do need a government, but we want a very limited government. We don't want the government to have their hand in every single thing. We want to see our businesses grow. We want to see our people grow. So that's what SAS is doing. That's what Turning Point is doing. And, you know, thankfully, that's what the president's doing. So my name is Dexter Taylor, and that's what I have to say. Thanks. That was great. Can I ask you a transgressive question? Yeah, sure. How come you're a black conservative? Uh, how how come I? Uh, well, I can, I can edit this part out. Oh no, it's fine. Uh, well, to be honest, to be honest, looking back at our history, I noticed that we needed people to actually step up and say the truth. Mm-hmm. Yes, this country has its bad parts, but every country does. Every country has some sides that they're like, oh man, you know what? We would have done things differently, but it's where we're at today. It's where we're at today. Us having this conversation right now, you asking me if I'm a black conservative. You know, 20, 40, 50 years ago, that couldn't even be a, been a question. Mm-hmm. But now it's a question that we have because we see more of it. Now we're asking these types of questions. And now we're getting these types of answers. And we're seeing that we can all get along and come under one umbrella, no matter what you are, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, no matter Middle Eastern, it could be anything. At the end of the day, we're all Americans. We're all coming together. And we all want to see this country, see this nation grow. All right, nicely put, Dexter. Met some interesting people at this conference. Dexter, Jessica, Marshall, Eddie, both Wills, and several others. The main speakers, I didn't include any here, but they're available on the web. Uh, There's a long list of them. Candace Owens, Mark Levin, Florida Governor-elect Ron DeSantis, Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, Dinesh D'Souza, Greg Gutfeld, Sebastian Gortka, Pete Hegseth, Dave Rubin, Kyle Kashnov, Anna Paulina, and others. Dr. Jordan Pearson was one I particularly enjoyed. Somebody asked him a question at the end. They said, I'm a rebel, I'm a revolutionary, and I'm surrounded by all these people that do not appreciate my values. And he went on at length about his problem, and he asked Dr. Peterson, what should I do? And Dr. Peterson gave him a three-word answer. He said, start a business. Great answer. Also enjoyed Laura Ingram. She made a passionate plea for why pulling out of Syria and the rest of the Middle East was a good idea, even though Trump is being attacked for all that. Great conference. Maybe we can get some of these people like Dexter and Jessica and Marshall on Liberty Solutions for a full interview later. That would be great for me. I'm going to end this with the intermission song, The Twelve Days of Christmas, in the Turning Point USA version. Enjoy. Day of Christmas, my country gave to me. Ten bears clapping, nine marshes flying, eight snowflakes screaming, seven bombs of flying, six players kneeling, nine. And the president who works for free Only 
This is Keith here. We're at the Turning Point USA Conference, SAS 2018. those interested in getting some information about what the Convention of States project is about, please take a look at the website www.conventionofstates.com, all one word, conventionofstates.com. You can read about the project and the 12 states that are already on board for convention to propose amendments to limit the scope and authority of the federal government and return it back to the states and people where it belongs, impose fiscal responsibility on the federal government as in don't let them borrow a trillion dollars a year from our grandkids, and put some term limits on a few offices beyond the president. Certainly uh, Supreme Court, maybe Congress. Anyway, www.conventionofstates.com for more information. If you agree with the project, there's a petition you can sign that'll send your views to your legislature automatically. We the people. We the people. We the people of the United States. In order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty. And secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. To ordain and establish this constitution. Do ordain and establish this Constitution. For the United States of America! The question facing us and facing our fellow countrymen is a two-word question. Very simply, who decides? The American founders had a simple answer. We, the people, decide. <laughs> 